What's up, world? We're back. Episode 2, the Cinema Project Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Adele Henderson. We have a very, very special guest on today, um, Philana Williams, uh, director over at the Mayor's Office of Film and Entertainment for the City of Atlanta. Uh, so many great conversations. Man, Philana is legendary when it comes to, uh, you know, coming out of the music industry, transitioning into the government, doing so many amazing things with the city. This was a live experience that we uh, were able to record over at Georgia Public Broadcasting, thanks to a great friend of mine, uh, Mimi Ricks, longtime friend who's uh, doing amazing things with that space. Please, if you haven't uh, been over to Georgia Public Broadcasting, if you're a television and film person or a podcast person, please check them out. Shout out to her, uh, Mimi Ricks and Katie for being so instrumental and helpful when allowing us to have this live experience uh, over at Georgia Public Broadcasting, right there uh, in Midtown. You've driven past it a million times. You need to stop. But this episode with Philana Williams, definitely super special. We're going to get to her career, how she transitioned from uh, being an artist to a music executive to government to putting together a lot of these amazing policies and uh, leading the way with uh, entertainment, television, film here in, uh, in, in the state of Georgia. So let's jump right in. I'm sure you will enjoy you know, we have an awesome, awesome guest today. I've been, man, I'm talking about hearing this woman's name like forever. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're deeply rooted in so many different ways in terms of, uh, you know, having our start. A uh, huge part of it being in, you know, the entertainment industry, music industry in particular. Uh, but I've been hearing the name Falana Williams forever. And this is our first time, like, formally meeting. So I'm excited to have her uh, talk about, you know, her current position uh, with the city of Atlanta. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and run down a few things. You know, Houston native, 20-plus um, year veteran in entertainment, served as an industry leader in artist management, marketing, as well as a senior executive for globally branded music labels, including LaFace Records, Bad Boy, Motown, TuneCore, uh, working with amazing artists such as Pink, Usher, Outkast, Miguel, Erica Badu, Chrisette Michelle, and the list goes on. Um, you know, Falana was recognized as, uh, you know, an ASCAP Rhythm and Soul team, uh, you know, at the third annual Behind the Music series. You know, you know I saw that. I've been doing some digging. Um, this series was designed to uh, encourage women and recognize women in the uh, music community, highlighting female songwriters and artists, as well as women working in all facets of uh, the business, including managers, attorneys, label executives, and music publishers. Uh, currently, uh, you know, Falana serves, um, you know, as a director over at the Mayor's Office of Film and Entertainment at the City of Atlanta, where she's responsible for spearheading, spearheading strategic entertainment partnerships that align with the administration's vision of uh, One Atlanta. So we're definitely going to hear from that. She's a University of Houston Cougar. You know, she's, uh, you know, she, she represents, you know, uh, Delta, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. You know, she's throwing up the rock. <laughs> you know, and she's a mom. She's an awesome mom. You know, she's an awesome mom. You know, this this is Falana Williams. Welcome, Thank welcome, welcome. Um, so one of the things I really want to get into, uh, you know, just really stand in the theme of what the Cinema Project is in terms of just really encouraging young creatives to find their way and, you know, letting them know it's okay to dream big and helping them understand how to get on the path to get where they want to be in this industry. 
for you, Houston native, like, what, what, what was your mindset in terms of just like, what, when did you realize like, man, you know what, I really want to I, I really entertain, get into this entertainment industry? When did it first spark in your mind that that's something you really want to do? Um, I, I have to say, I think from birth, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm dating myself by saying that, but um, we're, this year is the uh, 50th birthday of hip hop and I was actually born um, a year and seven days to the date of, of oh. the start of hip hop. But we know when something started, it was probably like rhythms and beats and we know with hip hop, those rhythm and beats date back to Africa. But um, um, I really think that's from inception as a young child, um, I would talk with my dad about music and just how, you know, I just fell in love with it as a young child and was blessed enough to have parents that um, were okay with me um, pursuing that. So as a young kid, I think I may have been around nine or 10 when I recorded my first song, like in my room on oh, a wow. tape recorder. Um, but um, my track coach, when I was in middle school, started managing me and um, three of my team, two of my teammates. Uh, we had a girl, girls group. Um, so yeah, we would record songs and he would take us on auditions and the whole nine. So really young, I fell in love with music um, at a very young age and was uh, fortunate enough to be able to dream big. And, you know, I lived in Houston. Um, a lot of what was happening in music was not uh, there. It was in um, New York and LA and the closest to me, a lot was happening in Atlanta. So um, I still, you know, got as much as I could from where I was. Um, but I knew that I needed to get to Atlanta. So um, promised my dad that I would attend college, which I did. I graduated. I gave him the degree, and I moved to Atlanta. And I hate to say the rest was history, but the rest was history. And you moved here in, a, in an amazing time. I did. Um, but the thing is, still, you don't just move to Atlanta, just move to Atlanta. Like, did you know somebody? Like, what, what was that pathway? Well, um, pursued music as an artist throughout um, my college career, high school, college. Uh, so the girl, I ended up being in another girl group and we would travel to Atlanta often uh, for Jack the Rapper. And that's actually how I met a lot of people. I met um, Chaka Zulu, Jermaine mm -hmm. Dupree, Kawan Prather, um, Big John, um, all by coming to Atlanta for showcases. And um, when it was time for me to move, I had planted the seed enough to where I was ready to move. And, you know, in my early 20s, I moved to Atlanta and um, with a job, you know, that college degree came in handy. Mm. Um, I was a communications major and worked at Hot 97.5 when it was in a trailer on Old National. Wow. Those who know, know. And uh, when I was there, uh, Ludacris was in college, uh, riding around in that gold Acura that he talks about that he still has. Uh, Lala Anthony uh, was, and she was at Redan High School, and she was interning there. Um, so many great memories came out of that radio station. But I came at, a, honestly, an amazing time in the history of music for Atlanta. Um, Atlanta is now the global home for hip hop, and I have to say that tiny little station in a trailer had a lot to do with uh, what we have seen happen in the city and around the world, um, and why Atlanta now is considered and has been for almost a decade the global home of hip hop. So, um, yes, an amazing time to get here and just really doing the work too. You know, I definitely came 
um, and met a lot of people before I moved here, but when I was here, it was just really about working hard and making the right um, connections, but also working really hard. Absolutely, and these are, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of nuggets, a lot of key takeaways that, you know, hopefully people are figuring out or, or catching on the way. Um, you went to conferences. You met a lot of people at these different music conferences. You were proactive and just you didn't limit yourself to only your city. You, you, you did what was necessary in your city, but also you look for like, okay, what's next? What's that next opportunity? Um, and so it's one thing now, we're in a, a, a very digital age now to where you, know, you can follow somebody, you can DM somebody, but there's nothing like that human touch and that human interaction, right? So that helped to put you in a position to where once you came here, you know, it's like, oh, I, I know some people. Right. So um, even even going from that, one of the cool things about, you know, our program, we're going to get into the city's program, too, uh, as far as like what you all are doing with the you with your PA, uh, PA Academy. But one of the cool things we like to do with the cinema project is sort of allow the students to kind of explore all different types of aspects of television and film to sort of kind of figure out what their thing is. You know, your whole thing, for the most part, you know, ultimately, you, you really fell in that marketing lane. Like, how did you get to the point to where you start to realize, even as a communication major in college, how did you realize, like, you know what? This marketing thing is, is where, you know, my sweet spot. Uh, I really didn't know starting out, and that, that is a, 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 an amazing story, I have to say. Um, when I was, um, I always found myself when I was either in a girl group or a solo artist doing the imaging and setting up the photo shoots for our team, booking the shows, um, all of it. Like even when it was time to book in the studio time, negotiating, all of that. And at the time, I finally got a manager. We, our group finally got a manager in Atlanta. His name was Tony Mercedes. Those who know, know. Mm -hmm. And um, he actually, I remember when I moved here, um, the other girls in my group didn't move. They never moved. And that was the goal. So I took the first step, being proactive, and they never came. And I remember how heartbroken I was. Um, and he told me, you should really become a record executive. I was offended because I was an artist and I, you know, had visions of being on stage with millions of people, you know. So, but I finally realized, he actually convinced me to take my first job um, in the record industry. I was the assistant to the general manager of LaFace Records, Dorsey James. And um, that's when I figured out that, wow, I've been doing marketing all this time. So uh, the good thing about that for me was that being an artist, my take on it was really different and my approach to the artist was different and the artist felt it. So um, the first project I was given was Pink's project, and I actually handpicked that project. She was kind of like on a shelf at the time because they couldn't figure out how to market her. And um, I was asked uh, what projects I wanted to work, and that was the first one I said. And the head of marketing at the time actually looked back like, you want that project? And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, she's dope. And um, no, but I've always been, um, been really um, applauded um, by the music industry for having a different type of connection with artists. And I strongly believe it's because I know what it feels like to be on that side of it. 
Um, and oftentimes, you know, we eventually moved away from the name product managers. I've always hated that name. I probably was one of the first executives to call attention to the fact that, you know, a product manager is something you give to Coca-Cola because, and it makes sense. But mm. for a human being, you know, unlike a can of Coke, if it doesn't work, the Coke doesn't have feelings. But for this person with, you know, emotions and they can feel it and, you know, that's a lot. So can we rename what we do for them because we need to have a certain type of touch, like a human connection with this product, not, you know, because that's not what they are. They're actually people. And um, I think that, you know, it was a blessing for me to have the background I had before I went to the executive side of music. So once you, you know, got into the mix and start to realize like, wow, you know, this, this makes sense. And, uh, you know, I fit here, I belong here. Um, was it ever a point to where, or, or how long did that take? Did, was it a thing to where you ever had imposter syndrome or did you feel like you was out of place? Did you feel like I could do this well, but I still want to be an artist? Like what, what, what were those things that were happening inside of you? You know, it happened quickly because honestly, I was given Pink's project. So within, I would say three to six months of being at LaFace Records, I went from the new kid on the block to going to Japan and Canada and all around Europe because she just exploded. Um, that album was already done. They just didn't have a plan for her. So um, never an imposter syndrome. I think, um, no, never an imposter syndrome. It was more about just, um, becoming a full-rounded executive. L.A. would always tell me, you're an artist executive. Um, it wasn't a bad thing. Um, however, I was always so pro-artist that sometimes that could be for um, an executive or a, a company, not the best thing. Uh, it worked for L.A. Reid because he was, an, he was an artist executive. But for some companies, it was about the dollar more than it was the artist, and I was always pro-artist, but that worked for me. So what was your method in terms of, as you were transitioning and you were you know, figuring it out and getting better and stronger at what you did, like how did you intentionally study the game you know, to learn about how to be a better executive once you found yourself like, you know what, this is who I am and what I'm gonna do and you know, I want to go ahead and get to different levels. Like, what 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 did you do? Uh, I asked the questions. Um, I spent a lot of time in my craft. Um, I think having vision of where I wanted to be, I was really clear that for me, it may not be the president of the label that would be my um, end result. Um, I always saw myself as a manager, um, and so I studied specific specific jobs. Um, spent a lot of time with a lot of leaders. Um, very fortunate with that. L.A. Reid, Babyface, Sylvia Roan, um, and we moved to New York and was I was blessed enough to meet a lot of powerful Sean Combs, I have to say him. He was actually the first person who hired me to do anything in the marketing music world. Um, and then in New York, New York is a different beast. I will say though, I, from a creative and talent perspective, it is Atlanta. From a business perspective, there is nothing in our country like New York. Um, so I lived in New York for 11 years and worked, you know, at the height of the music industry there and just taking, um, just studying it. You know, it, it's easy when you're in it to just do your job and not understanding every facet 
of what it is. I was very intentional about knowing what the a &R team was doing, knowing the sales process. Um, and in marketing, you have to know that anyway, but studying it, um, how publishing works. You know, for artists, you know, I, I was very sensitive to the fact that labels um, take a majority of what, what is made on album sales and the artists have to figure out ways to make money for the most part of it around that. And just being intentional about the fact that, again, they're not products, so how do they sustain? If their career is just five years, then what happens 10, 15, 20 years in? Kind of like athletes have to do. You have a runway. Some artists might be 30 to 50 years, but for most of them, it's under 10 years. So what is their runway? How do they, you know, make sure that, you know, they have enough finances to last outside of that, those hits or those records, if that is their trajectory? And then uh, what can they do afterwards? Like, you know, just their, um, what their process is. And so um, I think my longevity and success as an executive and a manager was because I studied it. And honestly, I studied it because it was, I cared about the music industry. It wasn't just a job for me. So with that being said, talking about longevity, um, when you came into this industry, you came in with a lot of people, right? You know, peers, uh, you know, people that were, um, you know, you were reporting to or uh, attempting to work with. Um, so many of those people aren't around anymore, you know, in this industry. From the standpoint of the approach you took, you know, to get in and to, you know, to maintain and, uh, you know, continue to rise, what are some of the things that you did? Um, you know, to make you a standout and help take you to the next level. And what were some of the things that some of your peers, you know, even some that was already, you know, at a different level when you got, what were some of the things that they did not, that they did not do that put them in a position to where, man, they just sort of fizzled out? Well, I think one of the main, and I've never said this, one of the main things that I did was um, I kept a sense of self um, in the music business, it's easy to get um, encapsulated with this world that's really, in a lot of ways, it's not sustainable. Um, we live really, people think that it's glitz and glamour. It really is a lot of hard work. It's one of the hard, it is the hardest job I've ever had. And um, it takes a lot of you, from you physically, from the planes. I used to travel two and three times a week. Um, so physically, mentally, again, you're dealing with people. It, there's an emotion that comes along with dealing with people. Um, and um, I was very intentional about family and having downtime and being able to detach from it. Um, I, I worked, honestly, 50 weeks out of the year. The two weeks that I had off were always at the end of the year. And I would always take those two weeks and spend it with my family. Um, and I did notice that a lot of executives didn't do that. I would be invited to the trips to St. Bart's during the holidays, and I just never went because I'm, that was my time to reset. And even with that time to reset, I'll be honest with you, there did come a time when I just became, ex it's exhausting. Um, I did become exhausted, and just knowing when for my own mental uh, capacity to either take a break, I took a year break um, halfway through my career, um, and 
Then for the other half afterwards, I knew it was time for me to pivot into something else. I was a mom with two kids, a single mom with two kids, um, wanted to raise my kids. I came home one day from a trip out of the country. My kids were at a church with their nanny and they were eating corn porridge. I'm from the South, so I eat grits and I'm like, I, I got to pivot real quick. So I think it was just being very um, intentional about what I needed and when to pivot. And sometimes it's hard. Uh, the music business offers you a lot from um, a financial perspective, but it also offers you a lot from a lifestyle perspective and just being able to um, prepare and just set expectations, how long is this sustainable for me, being able to pass the torch to someone else um, and letting someone else have that light and being able to mentor them. Um, I didn't, and I think again, it really is about intentionality. Like again, I think that for me, the difference is the fact that I loved it. I've always tell people I'd never worked a day in my life because I've always done what I loved. Um, so when you love something, you know when to pass it on, and when you and you know when you're needed somewhere else in that business. And so for me, pivoting to government uh, was intentional, but I knew that the business needed me on the other side. You know, I'd done my job on the record label side and the management side, and it was time for me to take a different role. And I think not only in the music and entertainment businesses, business, a lot of businesses. Um, people don't know when to pivot and pass the torch so that it can continue to grow and that someone else can come on and even, you know, surpass what we've done. But that takes me to stay involved, um, not to stay in a role for 20, 30 years. It takes me to love it enough to let it go before it even tells me to let it go, but to let it go from that perspective and be in another role. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that pivot, uh, Come into a place where you're working with the city, um, you know, still having an opportunity to be in entertainment. You know, you're still dealing with branding and marketing and strategy. Um, you know, events. Talk about what that was like. Even though it's a different space, you know, I'm I'm going to assume I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't checking your pocket, but I'm assuming it pays a little different <laughs> than. Than the flashy music industry, you know, which which don't have the type of money it used to have, but at the same time, um, you got your peace. You you you're, you're at home, um, and you still have opportunity to make like such an amazing impact. Talk about what it was like pivoting into this position, and what are some of the things that you start to see that continue to keep that fire burning for you. Well, I was really blessed. Um, I remember when um, I made the decision, it happened within 30 days. I was in New York, still in the rat race, um, and me and my kids uh, packed up the house, and I took my BMW X3 with them. My um, mother-in-law came, and we moved and just was prayed, didn't have a job, um, but it happened fairly quickly. I started consulting um, artists that I'd met um, in the music business, um, Jeezy, T.I., both had, at this point, um, T.I. had went independent, um, and Jeezy just wanted an outside consultant to work his projects. I had worked with both artists and started consulting them, and midway through that, had a chance meeting, had the same hairstyle as You Gotta Love Atlanta, mm. um, with a former mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, and she wanted to talk to me about her campaign. 
she had just decided to run for office. She was one of 14 candidates, um, and she decided late. Um, so her numbers were low. Uh, and she asked me to work her race, and I kindly said no, because politics just was not in the cards for me. And I said, mm, I think you don't know what I do. I said, but I don't do politics. And she said, I know that, but I'll, that's why I want you. She said, I need somebody to make me. I know what you do. She said, I need you to make me hot like Beyonce. She always tells that story. I said, okay, I think I can, I can do that. And um, I went on to her campaign, and within three months, she made me the head of communications for her campaign, which was a big job, and that's like campaigning. I was the interfacing with all of the major um, news outlets, giving them um, comments and messages and from the campaign, and she won. Um, we had, it went into a runoff, and she won by under 1,000 votes. Um, incredible race. Um, I didn't think anything could give me the feeling that um, music gave me, but running do a campaign like that, I was able to actually see parts of Atlanta that I'd never seen. When I moved to Atlanta, um, I immediately went into my job, and um, so I didn't get to see a lot of the city, but when you campaign, you have to, and that was, we had over 100 panels and forums and debates, so I was in every part of Atlanta, and as much as I love the city, the respect that I gained from it, and not only the respect, it was just compassion. Um, I think most people know that, you know, as it's, Atlanta is a tale of two cities, and as great as it is, it is also this place where the opportunities for a lot of the natives aren't there. Um, a child born into poverty in the city of Atlanta has a 4% chance of coming out of poverty, and that really got me. And so I remember when that race was over, she looked at me and said, I know you may not um, want to stay in government and, and like come into this administration with me, but there is a role for you if you are open to it. And I told her, I don't even have to think about that. I am open to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I um, pivoted. So a year and a half after moving to Atlanta, um, I became a government official, um, and I co-direct the office with my counterpart, Cardelia Hunter. She's amazing. She's actually, we actually met in the um, music business. She came from the music business, and she went into film. She's an amazing, amazing director, um, has done so much for um, the film world in Atlanta, which encompasses about 75% of all the filming in Georgia. Um, but the things that we've been able to accomplish together, not only for film, but for, you know, we're very intentional about other aspects of music. You know, Atlanta is an entertainment capital. So when you think about, you know, film, I love it. I call it the second child. The first child was music. Mm. <laughs> um, but you have music. Of course, you have film, fashion. Uh, we have a nightlife division now, gaming and tech, and sports entertainment. So all of those areas are things that we're very intentional about. Um, for many reasons, uh, but uh, mainly is so that Atlantans get an opportunity to participate, not only be spectators, but to participate in the economic growth of the entertainment business in the city. And so in order for that to happen, the city has to be very active and involved in workforce development um, to make sure that these opportunities don't pass them and that 
10, 20, 30 years from now, whether or not we have a tax incentive, which we hope we have, but whether or not we have that, Atlanta remains a global entertainment city and that the city and its residents continue to benefit off of all of the incentives that have come through the city. One of the cool things that I don't think anybody can deny now, watching television, watching films, seeing that Georgia peach at the end, it's like, man, they, that was in Georgia too. Um, just some of the projects off the top, you know, that, that you all have been involved in. Uh, this TV show Atlanta, right. Black, Panther, Black Panther, Captain America, Stranger Things. There's uh, so many. <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? Is it uh, Girl Drive? I want to say, I said I'm saying it right? Baby Drive. Baby Drive. Baby Drive. Thank yeah. you, Ms. Hunter. Yeah, so it's so many films, and um, we love the peach. I'll be honest, we are definitely looking at a local incentive to go along with that peach. Um, there are cities in Georgia who have that, um, and it would just be a stackable credit on top of that, mm. but very intentional about making sure that, you know, we are doing our part to keep it and sustain the thriving um, film and television world in the city and the state. I think for uh, locals that are actually from here <laughs> um, and, and ones that, that, that have migrated, I think it's inspiring to see like, man, they, they filmed that here too. Um, one of the cool things that you all have aligned is uh, you, all, you all actually have a production assistant program, uh, which is one of those first steps to help people into entering into the industry that really... Uh, you know, have a passion for it, interested in it, curious about it. Um, talk about that program and, and what it does, which is similar to what we're doing, but you guys are doing it on another level. It's 30 days. It's 30 a 30 day program. Um, ours is for Atlantans. You have to be local and you have to be uh, unemployed or underemployed to enter our program. It's completely free. Uh, after you finish the program, uh, we follow you for two years um, and help you with job placement. Miss um, Hunter oversees that. And yeah, it's, a, it's a, an amazing program. We are definitely looking to grow it. We want many more cohorts. I know that uh, Miss Hunter has a plan to uh, start a post-production training program too. Um, we spent some time in New York um, looking at their program. New York is, you know, course it's New York and they've been in the filming business a lot longer than we have but we spent time there um, studying their program and we customize it to fit Atlanta uh, and outside of those two is the set south training programs uh, the PA program the production assistant program is our first the second two will be that post-production program and we want a music executive training program and then after that we want um, a fashion tech program and then something in the gaming and technology world. Uh, we spoke about that earlier. We as government have to do a better job um, with the non-college resident. Uh, it's known, I think, everywhere that college is not for everyone and you don't have to go to college to have an amazing, um, successful, and economically beneficial career. So training programs are actually a gateway, um, and I think that we can, you know, this is a creative hub, so imagine all the creatives who can really 
um, do things that they love, you know, so it doesn't feel like work. And it, I mean, not that it doesn't feel like work. When you do things you love, to me, it doesn't feel like work. So, you know, just showing them their career path. Um, a lot of people don't feel like, you know, there is a gateway for them, you know, because McDonald's is not it. So um, we've seen strides um, in our um, Atlanta public school um, graduation rate. Um, I think it's connected uh, to a lot of the training programs. Um, you see them now in a lot of the schools, Atlanta Metro, Atlanta Technical College, their training programs. And the city just wants to be intentional about making sure that we are opening doors for Atlantans and to let them know that we see them and we care about them having careers. So entertainment to me um, and to our team is um, the new trade. So, you know, you can be a carpenter, but you can also be a studio engineer. You know what I mean? And there's so and there's so much more to it than being the entertainer on the stage, the athlete on the field. Um, there are jobs that you can do behind the scenes where you can have 30, 40, 50 year careers in it. And we just want to make sure that we're exposing Atlantans to those opportunities, but also helping with the training. Yeah, it's like it's, it's so easy uh, from the outside looking in to pay attention to, you know, Denzel. <laughs> Um, you know, the stars that are actually on the screen, but you sit at the end of a movie and you just let the credits roll. It's like, man, it's a lot of people and the majority of them aren't in front of that screen. I mean, we're talking about transportation. Absolutely. We talk about catering. hair and makeup, catering. Fashion, wardrobe design. It's so many opportunities. You got Script writers, yeah. just so many opportunities. Like absolutely, so, um, like so for 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 those that had no idea that the city was that involved, that engaged, uh, you know, with these type of programs, like where 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 are some of the spaces that you know people could go, log on, and get more information on on all of the different types of programs that are happening. Um, our social media uh, platforms um, is at ATL Film ENT. That's us on um, Instagram. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page. Um, our um, website, you can find information on that too, setsouth.com. And um, yeah, just call us. We are a public organization. Uh, you can find us on, on our website. You can find us on the city's website. Um, and yeah, we have a team. Um, we're growing small but mighty. But yeah, our goal is to really, you know, Atlanta sits high in anybody's mind when it comes to uh, being an entertainment hub. And we just want to make sure that as a city that we are growing um, at the same pace as other cities that are comparable to us. Absolutely. One of the things I'm looking forward to, you know, like midway through the year, but I know that there's a intentionality when it comes to celebrating hip-hop 50 you know along with the city of Atlanta right you all have some some programming and some some events and things about to come to come together right we do we do we are doing everything from a uh, a huge hip-hop 50th hip-hop birthday celebration um, that's going to be announced very soon um, our very own mayor Andre Dickens will be hosting that event with the unofficial mayor of Atlanta, Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. It is very uh, youth-oriented. Um, mayor Dickens um, designated this year as the year of the youth. So a lot of the youth in Atlanta who are part of our um, summer work program will be attending. 
um, with their parents. Um, we're opening it up for more people too. We are also in Miss um, Hunter's um, spearheading this. We're doing movies in the park during August, which will be focused on hip hop movies. Um, so very excited about that. That's another family event that we're doing. Um, a part of this committee is working on a time capsule that will be um, will be uh, at the Atlanta History Center. Um, in 25 years from now, we'll open that back up and just look at those moments when we're celebrating the 75th birthday of hip hop, just being able to look back at this year and all of the great things that we're doing. Um, and just so much more. Um, we're doing talks, panels, uh, curated art from the uh, cultural affairs team. Uh, our summer youth interns are involved in helping us navigate and choose artists. We want to be very thoughtful about the fact that hip hop is now 50 years old. So it goes from the 70s till today, which is a lot to cover, even in just Atlanta. So, you know, there's a focus on Atlanta, but there's also a focus on, with this being the global home of hip hop, a focus on hip hop around the world. So, yeah, happy to celebrate it, it's very exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. As we, as we, as we uh, you know, come uh, closer to the end, um, three things. Three things, um, as far as like advice is concerned, like what's would would love to hear, like you know, what's what's some of the best, you know, piece of advice that was you know given to you that you know has continued to resonate with you in terms of just like, you know, encouragement and inspiring, you know, words that help you along the way, whether it was through a rough patch or whatever, um, you know, what's something that that was shared directly with you. Also curious, like what's something you sort of picked up along the way, whether it's from like, you know, one of your favorite authors or, you know, some someone that you overheard say something cool. And and and, and thirdly, what's some of the, you know, advice that you find yourself always sharing with someone else on the way? So the uh, best advice that was given to me was by a colleague. Um, I met when I lived in New York. She's a New Yorker, was born and raised in the Bronx, um, music executive. She told me that she'd seen so many executives from other places come to New York and they were successful and um, didn't know when to leave. So I think it's to know when to do that. Know when and always prepare. It's like music is like, music and entertainment. It's like any, it's different but similar to any other entertainment form, like you, it's the gig economy, there's ups and downs. Um, you could be up for 10 years and then down for two, then back up. So knowing how to um, plan for that, because you are in a creative field. Um, you could have a great year, you could have a not so great year. Um, just prepare for the not so great years with some of the best advice that was given to me. Um, New York is a very expensive place to live for anybody. Tell people all the time, it's one of the one places that you live that when you're on the subway, you can make $50,000 a year or $5 million a year. You're all on the subway. Um, I think that um, words of encouragement, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of combining two and three because I would tell people from my perspective, the advice that I always find myself giving someone um, is don't be afraid to pivot. Um, and I always tell people it's not transitioning. Transitioning sometimes may take a little too long. You just got to do it. 
um, and to trust it. I believe that in my career, I've had a long career in entertainment, um, and um, I've pivoted a few times. You know, it, it was a tough, the hardest pivot was the first, which was uh, going from an artist to an executive because I really wanted to be an artist, and I just pivoted. I didn't overthink it. Um, it was an emotional decision. I just did it. And I didn't look back when I did it. So when you asked about the imposter syndrome, syndrome, I made it up in my mind that this is what I was going to do. So I don't think I, I just silenced all other noise that was coming to me. I just did it. Um, and the same thing, I mean, people thought I was crazy when I went from being a music executive to government. I think I may have been one of the first people to do that. Um, but it was a very intentional decision. Um, don't regret it at all. Um, peace of mind is priceless. And so to be able to look back at the last seven years I've been in it and you know, being able to be a real mom, but to also be able to affect change in a business that I love, that's priceless. You know, the money is different, but it's still priceless, you know, because you know, I have, you have to think about what your legacy is going to be, and at the end of the day, what will they say about you when they, you leave here? And the first thing I want them to say is that I was a great mother, is what my kids will say about me. So that's the most important thing. But secondly, I do want to be able to look back at my career and say that I, I did a good job. I did what I was brought here to do. Absolutely. That was rock star stuff you know before before we got here any 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 questions what you got what is corn porridge <laughs> <laughs> i was trying not to go too much in it so i had a um my kids had a jamaican nanny corn porridge it's made out of cornmeal and so it's the jamaican version of like grits but it's corn porridge and it's sweet so my kids actually love it, but they do not like grits. And my family, my my parents are from Brunswick, Georgia. So if anybody knows Brunswick, that's the country. It's a coastal Georgia next to St. Simon. And my I make a great grits, great pot of grits. I can't even eat other people's grits if it's not from my family. That's how good my grits are. And my kids to this day will not eat grits. So no corn porridge is a Jamaican dish. She, my nanny, their nanny was from Kingston, Jamaica. So she could cook, but it was very Jamaican. So that's, I always remember that's when I was like, I gotta pivot because my kids were eating corn porridge, going to her small boutique. I don't even know, I don't think it was Baptist, I think it was something else. And I'm like, yeah, time to pivot. So yeah, corn porridge. <laughs> Definitely not mad at that. Definitely not mad at that. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We finally got a chance to do this. Yes. Thank you it's for been, having me. It's been a long time coming. I'm telling you, it's one of those names, like forever. Like, who is that? Philana, what? You know, it's like Philana Williams. And they're just like, you know what? Yeah, I think this is a perfect opportunity to have the conversation. So I'm, I'm glad we, we got a chance to get it out here. And uh, and we, we got more stuff that's going to come Absolutely. together, right? Yes. We, we, got some we have planning. To, we have lots of planning to do. Collaborative efforts. Programs. Georgia Absolutely. State. You know, city of Atlanta. So yeah, really, really. Uh, except, well, question in the back. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, if you could tell, like the Polana that was about to pivot to, uh, like you're leaving your artistry career based off of what you what you know now, 
Uh, what would you tell that Alana? Like, um, to save your music. <laughs> I can't find half my music. I would have told that Falana to save your music. Um, I would also tell her that um, you you did the right thing. Don't worry about it. Um, and um, I would tell her that um, in... 10 years, it would all make sense. 10, well, no, let me take that back. I'm trying to act like I'm young. In 20 years, it would all make sense, you know, because I did it, like sometimes when you pivot, you do it without not, not knowing what the outcome, you really do do it in faith. And I would tell her that it will make sense and that she made the right decision, that she was making the right decision. Absolutely. Are we got another? Can you share how the city has given so many opportunities to women, particularly black women, and you know, being open? Because I don't think we find that in a lot of places. Agreed. <laughs> um, Atlanta is a, and I'll say, and I'll. I'll jump into women, but Atlanta is such a gem. I don't think anyone, I think a lot of us are trans. Who's from Atlanta in the room? Look, two people. Um, and I think that there's a reason that we all live here. Like, this is our Mecca. It's our capital. Wakanda. Um, it's our Wakanda. And we move here because we, we all know, we've heard about this amazing place where anything can happen. When people say, if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. When people talk about Hollywood, about how that's where you go to make it, for us, it's Atlanta. And the greatest thing about it is that it's not just entertainment. It's in anything that you want to do. Um, Maynard Jackson set the city up in an amazing way to where a third of all big business has to go to minorities. And I think that decision, uh, it wasn't the only decision but a big part of why black women have excelled so much in the city. You can't find that anywhere else. And right now that still exists in the city. So um, people don't talk about that enough, how much Maynard Jackson really changed the trajectory of, of the people, of our people, of the culture, and you know, part of that black women uh, by enacting that law. And it's what makes Atlanta so great. It's why so many people choose Atlanta. It's the one place that if you have a dream and you wanna do it, you can move here and do it. I moved here within a year of moving here. I'd met Sean Combs. I was working with him in LA Reed to open uh, their restaurant, Justin's. Within months of that, he offered me a job to come work for him in New York at Bad Boy and LA Reed countered and said, no, stay here and work at LaFace. And that happened all within a year of me moving to Atlanta. I can't name another place for our culture where that could happen for us. And that's what makes this such a great city. If you, if you work hard, you can make it. It really is the city too busy to hate. It is the land of opportunity. It's a culture hub. Um, there's no other place like it in the world. Absolutely. Um, great place to be. One, one last question, one last one. Thank you. Um, referring to the 30-day programs that you spoke about, 
could someone that's interested in multiple of them do the post-production and the fashion and whatever else you have planned? We haven't made it that far yet, but I am pretty sure that is possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So stay tuned. Definitely stay tuned. Um, I want to, I want to, uh, first of all, thank you, uh, thank Felana, you. For, for coming and, and sharing today. Uh, you know, got to thank my, my co-advisory board member, LaRonda Sutton, for, for making it happen. LaRonda Sutton. That's another music icon. Man. Entertainment icon. Exactly. Yeah. Trailblazer. Trailblazer. Um, uh, you know, Drew's out there. Drew's been riding. Goodness gracious. We've been doing this cinema thing and juggling and putting things together. and uh, It's been a lot. Um, you know, my, 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 my long time, uh, you know, mentee that I'm never going to go ahead and stop calling my mentee, even though she grown, you know, Mimi Rex, who, uh, you know, allowed us to have this wonderful space here at GPB. Um, you know, everybody for coming out, you know, my, my baby over there, over there yawning and tired, my baby, my baby Mia Lee, I see you. Um, but, uh, the cinema project, uh, definitely check us out. Um, a lot more collaborations to come really looking forward to doing a lot more with the city. Uh, please continue to check us out and support us. Um, there's going to be so many more of these live experiences, so much more content coming, podcasts, episodes, and of course uh, the cohort. So uh, there's many ways that people get involved um, and supported, and um, you know just create awareness for those that are eligible to be a part of the program. We're really excited about you know just helping this next generation of creatives you know make their way into television and film, and. Uh, until next time, you know, I, I am Adele Henderson. And uh, that's Felana Williams. And thank you for coming out.